0: I'm going to talk about MLMs. MLMs are multi-level marketing companies. They tend to get a bad rap, but I'm going to share my deal with my MLM, and maybe you'll be interested and feel a little better and have a little bit more clarity about MLMs. Maybe you are thinking about joining an MLM. Maybe you have um, children that are at that age that are thinking about joining an MLM, Or maybe you are getting badgered to join an MLM, and that's not good. But here's my deal. Listen in, and we'll chat about it. Today, I am going to talk to you about multi-level marketing. As you know, or you may not know, but I work for a multi-level marketing company, on the side is this is not my full-time job my full-time job is a teacher so I work for doTERRA which is an MLM but we sell essential oils and naturally based products like toothpaste and mouthwash and detergents and things like that so why did I get into multi-level marketing well I didn't really do it on purpose but I did I was searching for essential oils because I wanted to start to implement them into my life, my daily routines. And I did my research, and there are two major essential oil companies. There's Young Living and there's doTERRA. I looked at the founders and what each company stood for, and I really liked both of their missions, but I really was leaning towards doTERRA. I liked um, the founders and just the company as a whole. So that's the keyword, I did my research. Then I had to start looking for someone who sold doTERRA, and oddly enough, lucky enough I should say, um, there's someone in my town who sells it, like three streets down, and she was friends with my niece, and long story short, I ended up buying from her, and I really wanted to make money from it as well, because I used the products and I really wanted to get products at a cost and get free products. So that's why I got into an MLM. Now I'm not going to speak for every MLM because I don't know the ins and outs of every MLM. I think some are way better than others, but you have to do is if you're thinking about getting into one, you really, really have to read the fine print and do the research because multi-level marketing is selling basically it is a cycle you recruit people to be on your team you train them or you recruit sorry you hire them and then you train them and it's cyclical it keeps going and going and going now the way I work I'm probably the worst person to have on your MLM team because I love the product and it's a product that I use essential oils and Either way, if I was working for them or not, I would still be using the product, so I'd be buying instead. But I'm someone who doesn't really like to sell, (laughs) so I got into this, and you know, most MLMs, what they do is they show you the person who's made the most money, or they show you a person who, for example, used to be a teacher, but now that person is um, making X, Y, and Z for the MLM and they left their teaching job. That's just an example. But they, um, basically that person shifted from being a teacher to being a sales manager. And that you have to pay attention to. They got into sales and it's something that takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort. I personally focus on other things in my life and I don't have, I don't devote, I shouldn't say I don't have the time, I don't devote the time to selling doTERRA just because um, I don't, I don't know why, (laughs) I just don't, I just basically show the products that I use, love the products that I use and if you would like to try it for your well-being, then you do and if you don't, you don't. I am a no pressure type of person and I'm not saying that people who do sales are bad people or whatever. I'm not saying that. It's just I am personally the worst person to have on your MLM MLM team because I'm not really about making money off of it. I'm really about sharing um, a great product and products that I use. So when you're talking about an MLM, Basically, you want to make sure before you get into it, know that the fallout is huge and there is constant turnover. And that's okay because the sales managers and recruiters are the ones that are basically making the largest amount of money. And I know this and I knew this getting into it. I know who I am as a person and who I am as a salesperson. And I am pretty set with myself. I know when someone's trying to sell something to me, and that's fine. And I know when someone's trying to introduce me to a product, and that's fine. I'm not sneaky about any of it in any way. Some people, and it's not really their fault, but they have no idea how to handle getting into an MLM. They have no idea that they could cause some... um, some bad blood, I should say, between their friends if they're trying to get their friends to buy, friends to buy, friends to buy, they're hounding their friends, they're harassing their friends, and they stay in this small circle, and they're constantly badgering them. That, to me, is annoying behavior, And but they don't know how to handle it because they just want to make the sale to make the money. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm not a sales expert at all, but I do know that... Um, you just don't show up and get paid. You can do very well at MLMs. My dogs are barking. I'm outside doing my podcast, of course. Um, you can do very well at MLMs, but they you need to be upfront with the person who's trying to get you to join and be on their team. You want to know the real numbers. What do you actually make? If you are the person working on the MLM, at the MLM, Tell the people that you're trying to recruit what you actually make in a month, how hard it's going to be, how difficult, how you probably um, won't get people to join right away. Or maybe you will, but that's going to go down a slippery slope. But people can do so, so well at MLMs, and I commend them, and I think that's awesome, too. It's just the way that they have learned how to sell, And be a sales manager and be a recruiter and that to me is great too but what it is is the MLM is a particular skill set that you have to learn you have to learn how to sell and there's a huge learning curve there some people do have it naturally they do but you know what I'm an excellent teacher but and people say oh you're a natural well that's great I might be a natural but that doesn't mean I didn't go to school to learn how to teach I went to school, I went and got my master's and my master's plus whatever to continue my education to learn how to be a teacher. So <clears throat> when you are in sales, you really have to know what you're doing. So with the MLMs, I do know that some of them will show you um, that you know you can be way up here. And only about, like, there's a small percentage that make it way, way, way up to the top. I have watched a lot of um, videos in YouTube because I'm kind of like a um, research nerd and things like that. I like to learn about different things. And I've watched a lot on MLMs and how one woman, for example, was way up in an MLM. And she was miserable, absolutely miserable, And she realized that the other people up in the elite group were very miserable and they just weren't happy because she said there's a lot of pressure at the top. You constantly have to be selling. You have to learn how to trick people into buying the products. I don't really believe that to be true for the people that I have dealt with. I am so fortunate for my team with doTERRA. They are a wonderful group of women and men and they really are transparent and they just share the product and what they like about it and how the product um, has assisted them in their lives so with that um, I'm not that's just one example so I just wanted to share with you because sometimes we get one example and it's a sour example or a story that someone had to, had to deal with, and that's not true for all MLMs. So, I just wanted to put the word out there in my deal and what I have dealt with with DoTerra. I have to have something every month, and most MLMs are like this, where I have to maintain a certain amount of money um, every single month in order to get um, reward points, loyalty reward points. They're called LRPs, so I can get credit, um, financial, uh, money, what am I trying to say? (laughs) So I can get dollars towards other products, so I get a credit. Um, And I have to maintain $125 every month in order to maintain that credit. But for me, I can stop that at any time. So with doTERRA, you can either choose to do wholesale and get products at 25% off, or you can choose to become a wellness advocate. I chose the wellness advocate route because, yes, I like sharing. And I thought, hey, I'll get, I'll maintain the the money. I'll maintain that because I am buying the products. This is my toothpaste. This is my shampoo, my conditioner, my detergent, um, my mouthwash. These are all the monthly products that I use. So I was definitely spending that and more on, and also other oils that I needed. So That was really no problem for me at all. So that was not a big deal. Um, For some people, if they have to maintain that, that can be tricky and tough. And that can be a burden on their financial um, outlook, goals, and budget. So you really have to be careful and know, do I have to maintain this specific amount of money in order to continue with the business? You don't have to with doTERRA. You don't have to keep the um, loyalty reward points or that amount of money if you don't want to. Um, My team doesn't harass me if I don't do it one month or two months or three months. It's my choice. And at 44 years old, um, I think there is an understanding of (laughs) that, no matter what your age is, but... um, that listen if I don't want to spend my money on this I'm not going to spend my money on it and that's just the way it's going to be and I don't mean to be like "Mm, mm, mm," but it's true that's a lot of sass but that's how I feel no one is going to pressure me into spending my money or buying something that they're just not going to do that I'm not going to let that happen and that's just how I am and how I feel whoa so I don't know how it is with other companies like I said but you probably want to check that out if you're thinking of selling something from another company that is my tidbit with MLMs so just to refresh recapture review whatever um, they can be great you need to read the fine print not every MLM is the same and you have to really make sure that you digest, you ask around, you ask questions, and you research every single MLM. If you're thinking about getting into it, if you're thinking about selling for the MLM, remember, you are becoming a sales manager and a recruiter, and you have to maintain that, and you have to keep that up. If you can do that, then that is awesome, the more power to you, or you can take the route that I take, and yes, I guess I would say, I guess I would be into sales, but I do it in a different way because I believe in sharing the product and I just share it and let it be. I'm not saying it's the best way to go about it. I am not um, trained in sales and it, there's a huge learning curve, like I said, and a huge particular skill to it. Um, and that's why the turnover is huge with MLMs. Because people get into it and realize uh, it's really not for them. It's not their style. And that's okay. So like I said, I work for doTERRA. I love doTERRA. I love my my team. I love everything about it. And I use it 100% religiously. And that's where I am with that. So I hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. It was quick. It was snack pack sized. I apologize for my dog barking, but I am outside enjoying the fresh air today. And I hope you enjoy and are creative and soulful and having a great day wherever you are in your part of the world. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. If you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe, I'd be so grateful because it allows my podcast to be seen and lets me keep doing what I love. You can also visit me on Instagram and Facebook at Breezy Green Home and on my blog, BreezyGreenHome.com. Thanks for listening, subscribing, and until next time, I hope you find some creative soulful living in your world. Welcome to the Home for Creative Sofa Living, the Creative Sofa Living Podcast, episode 31. I'm your host, Alyssa Foy, creator of BreezyGreenHome.com. Listen in as I share my knowledge and tips from simple natural living, home decor, balancing life, and some conversations with some pretty amazing people. So grab a cup of coffee and let's dig into today's episode. Welcome to the Creative Soulful Living podcast and Deborah is a blogger, designer, shop owner and more at Co.com and at B Vintage Style and she's based out of Canada and doing all of this amazing stuff, one being creating a tiny house out of a shed. Yeah. So <laughs> you have this property on a lake and then what happened
1: So the property is actually, so little history about the property. It's actually my grandfather's, it was his farm. So I grew up out there um, as a child, like he farmed it on the weekends. He was a bus driver in Calgary and then on the weekends he farmed. And so I would go out there with my family and spend, like I spent so much of my childhood out there and just such good family memories there. Um, And so they've since passed, but the property was put in trust and it's the last recreational property before 150 quarter sections. Basically, it's the last property prior to the mountains. Wow. <laughs> where, you, where you can't own property, right? So um, the government sort of owns from us on. Um, and so where we call it the lake property. It isn't lakefront, but what makes it so, um, so perfect is that you do have 150 quarter sections of government land. So you can cross country ski for like days and never turn around. Right. Like I would love that. Yeah. Like skidoo snowshoe there's and there's, Alberta, where I'm from, doesn't have a ton of lakes, but there is a cluster of small lakes in that area. And one, the biggest one's called Burnstick Lake. Um, and so, yeah, it's wonderful because it's like a not even a two-minute drive to the lake. So when I call it the lake property, it isn't actually lakefront, but it's like the most wonderful piece of recreational property you can imagine. However, like we've had cattle on it. We lease it to... Um, other people for like the quarter for cattle, but we've Mm -hmm. sectioned an area, not where the farmhouse was, but an area where, um, we, we spend time with my brother has a small unit out there and we were just basically pulling our trailer, like our motor, like our, our motor home out there. Yeah. Um, for the last however many years. And I, even though I redid, I did a glamper. I just don't (laughs) love, um, trailer life. Like I don't, I like furniture and like cozy. And like, if I'm going to leave this house that I've worked so hard on, which, you know, like this is sort of, I like to be surrounded in spaces I love. I feel good that way. And it's super important to me. And so if I'm going to leave this place that I've spent so much time working on to go somewhere, I want it to, also feel as like wonderful as where my home is. And so that That makes perfect sense. Yeah. And so, um, the one thing though, for us is we weren't, we weren't ready to invest a significant amount of money into that property because of a couple reasons. A it's family owned. So I don't own the land. It is our family that owns it. So my brother and it's, it's all of Mm -hmm. us. Right. Um, And B, I also didn't want a mortgage, a second mortgage that I felt like, like if I want to take my family next summer to France and do that instead of spending time at the, at the cabin or at the tiny house, I don't want to, I don't want to feel bad because I've got this huge mortgage or huge amount of money owing on a property. I wanted to be able to say, okay, we, yeah, we spent some money. It's a lovely place. But now if I go and take a trip to Europe with the family, I don't have to feel like I'm, choking as we're going because we're not spending time where this property is. Well,
0: that, it sounds like a very financially smart decision. And I'm all about, like, I've talked about it before on my podcast, how my main goal is to just pay off my mortgage. Yeah. And that's the thing.
1: That's the thing is we didn't want to have, um, we still like, we wanted a beautiful space to go to, but not something that made us feel like we were tied to it all the time or guilty if we weren't spending time there I guess so um we and it's funny because for years I've had visions of and and the farmhouse that is there if if somebody had maintained it because it's now getting torn down this this like my grandfather's property because it's actually quite dangerous it's so old and fallen down yeah um but if somebody had maintained it, it would have been a wonderful cabin. So um, I've always kind of said, Oh, it's too bad. But, um, cause there's so many memories in that building too. Right. Right. But, um, and I'm all about like, to me, so many people would have looked at that cabin or looked at that property and said like, it's, it's terrible. But to me, it's, it's paint and elbow grease and you've got a beautiful place. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just like, the, it's just like this place we live in. Like it was, it was an awful condition when we bought it. And I remember friends walking in when we were so excited we got it. They walked yeah. in and they were like, oh, like, nice place here. <laughs> like, they were like, ah, what have they done? And I now, can relate to that. Trust right? me,
0: we, the house we bought, we have, we are still renovating every little piece of it. And really?
1: so I understand that completely. <laughs> yeah. And so that's the thing is like, I just look at it like everything is sort of fixable. And if you kind of have mm-hmm. that, look past the, the cons and find some pros, right. you can, right? But, so I've never actually like done a new build. And so my husband came across this cabin or shed company. It's a, it is, it's, it's sheds. Um, and when he started looking into the, and it's an American company, but they have a branch up here in Canada. Okay. And so when they look, when he looked into it, he was like, look at the price of this. Like you could get a 12 by 32 foot cabin or shed for like $12,000, which that might seem a little high in the U S but because in- like our dollars is so much different right, but right. for us, like $12,000 is cheap, like very, very affordable for a size, for a building that size. Um, and and so what size then- is it again? So it's What's 12 that? by 32. Okay. That's yeah. Yeah. And so, and again, when I mentioned my brother has sort of gone down this road, he I probably wouldn't be so um eager to do the off grid, but he's sort of done a lot of the research for us. Great. And so I feel like there's options that I'm sure a lot of the people that follow me would not want to do, but I'm fine with it. Like I grew up a farm girl, I'm good with like roughing it a bit. As much as I say, I don't like trailers. I don't like trailers because of the small space. It's not the roughing it part. That part doesn't bother me. Um, so with it being off grid, we decided also to keep things with no services because, um, the taxes on this property are very low because it doesn't Mm -hmm. have any sort of living, um, like building on it. Uh so the minute that you put services in, your taxes go way up. So we okay. didn't want to have to take that on either. Uh so we started we found the shed, the price on it was fantastic. Uh we decided, you know what, let's just go for it. Especially once COVID happened. We were actually going to go to Europe this summer. Oh and okay. take the kids and then COVID happened. So it was like, well let's take that budget and just go for it and do this tiny home. Um and well, so, you definitely
0: took a negative and made it into a positive. I mean, that's look what we right. have
1: done. That's right. And already, like, like our kids just love it there so much. And so they were very excited about the build, too. So, yeah. So anyways, um, I did a lot of customization to the building. I, um, I increased the ceiling height uh, by a foot so that the loft that the kids will have as a bedroom has a little bit more headroom. Awesome. Um, I took a loft out, so originally the building had a loft on e- either end, and I right. took one of the lofts out. Even though a lot of people would think that's crazy, especially in tiny homes, but I don't want it to feel like it's this like closed. It I want right. it to feel, and honestly, it actually feels more open than the home I live in because this house is quite like small rooms. Uh-huh. It's an old house, right? My kitchen is an open concept. So this is going to feel like it's a wide open space in even comparison to my house, which is crazy. Um, and then we added just a small bathroom. And honestly, um, like there'll be no plumbing in okay. the unit. So what we're doing, and this sounds, again, this sounds, but I don't, it doesn't bother me. And I guess because I've seen- I bet my I bro-
0: can guess what you're doing. What do you I think?
1: What you thinking? I'm thinking composting toilet it isn't so a composting toilet is like 6 grand here so okay. again like our budget all in is under it's like $25,000 for everything okay. wow so it's very low budget wow and maybe down the road we'll put something like a compostable toilet in but they're also very bulky and i don't have that space in there right so what I'm doing and what my brother has done for, he built a separate building. That's not an outhouse, but it's just a building. It's like a small, um, off just, just off the house. And you literally, so for us, I'm going to purchase one off Amazon. That looks like a toilet. It'll look exactly like a tiny toilet, but it's just a bucket in there. Oh, and then-
0: bucket. Yeah.
1: You basically just use cat litter. So you put a bag in and you'll use cat litter and sawdust and it clumps when you use the bathroom and at the end of each day or every couple days you take it out and like, we'll take it and there's a place for us to dispose of it. So that's the thing is it doesn't sound great, but at the end of the day, like it's a weekend cabin for us. So this isn't something that we're living in that this is, and- I guess I should give you a little bit of background. So when I was young, my dad, and it, it wasn't because they like this lifestyle, my dad's just cheap, is what it comes down to. We bought a property that we built a new house on, and there was already a small two-room shack that the man before us, that he passed away, but he was living in this tiny shack, and it had cold water, it had a stove, and oven, And it had um, two rooms. It had no toilet. It had no hot water. So for 10 months through a Canadian winter, like right through the winter, I used an outhouse, minus 40, and I would have to go to an outhouse. So again, it just isn't like, I don't, I don't. Talk about going back to simplicity. And that's like, people cherish that now. I think. Yeah. Like, I guess I I just, I was like the same age as my son is now. So I was 10 and I guess at that age, you just kind of are like, okay, like sure, mom and dad, like you don't really, you don't really. How cool is that for them? Yeah. And like, we would boil water to like sponge bath and then we would go to friends' houses to shower once a week kind of thing. But in between that, we just sponge bathed and washed our hair in the sink and like. Boiled water a little for house dishes? on the prairie.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, like, it's like truly homesteading. And I think a lot of people would love to live that lifestyle. I'm yeah. telling you. And I had to, I told you how we renovated our house while well, our whole septic like blew up. So oh, no. I know what the bucket and cat yeah. litter life yeah. is like. And I live that. And I'm telling you like plastic buckets with a fake toilet seat with cat litter. And I That's mean, right.
1: yeah, I lived that doesn't... life for a little bit. <laughs> I know there's going to be some people that think it's crazy, but like, again, I guess it's just how I was raised. Like even uh, when my grandparents had that property, like they would haul drinking water with them, but the water we washed our dishes with was rainwater caught from the eaves of the cabin that we would boil to, and then use it for dishes. Like, oh my gosh,
0: that's awesome.
1: Right. Like, and even, I guess when we bought the house and start like the, my parents property and built that house, I remember the guy that lived in the shack, this is like total homestead. He would (laughs) hang his clothes on, like I, and I, I can see his coveralls right now in my mind on the back of the building. And when it would rain, it would wash his clothes. Like that was how, yeah. Like, so I don't know, I guess I just sort of was exposed to it. I wasn't like a I, not that there's anything wrong with growing up in a city, but I was just sort of raised where that stuff is just, it, it doesn't, it's not a big deal. Right. right? And so, right. like, I don't, I don't know. So, yeah, for us, like, we're going to build some, we're going to put a deck on the front and the back um, of the property. And then obviously, nice. I'll need to be able to catch rainwater because that will be like a large part of how we do the dishes and all of that thing, things out there, we'll haul water. And we're, we're actually thinking about, um, you can get like the big, I don't know what they're called. Like rain the, barrels type of not thing. Not the barrels. Like I, I mean, a, a lot of farmers around here have them. They're like, um, to water. They're like not a cistern, but you can put them in the back of the truck and fill them with water. And so we'll, we'll do like, it's a big, huge, oh, I don't right, even know, yes. You know what, what I'm talking mean? about? Mm-hmm so we'll probably have one of those that we fill and then use it. So it'll have fresh, good, like water from our taps that we'll oh, take great. out there. And then it can just be there. It will cover it and it can be there for whatever, when we're out there until we need to bring it back and refill it again. Like now you know, what will you do about electricity or if so you need cold water this is, or something? Yeah. So this is actually quite funny. So we've got, um, So it's all wired. The whole unit is like going to have fixtures and everything. Everything's wired. So if we ever do put services in, we'll be able to hook up. But um, my dad's an electrician. And over the years, he stockpiled... Whole many solar panels and one of the things oh. that we worry about up there is theft because there's no one at the property and there are break-ins like my brother's cabin's been broken oh, too no. and yeah and so that is one thing we have to like be a little bit cautious of but originally what we were going to do is put a big telephone pole and then put solar panels on it and he's got enough to be able to power all three like his unit our unit and my brother's um but we Decided against that just for the theft, like for purposes right. of theft. So what my dad <laughs> has done is he's taken a trailer box, like a trailer bed, and okay. he's literally built a solar trailer. <laughs> wow! That, the panels are like stacked, and so then, like on a weekend, if we're gonna be out there for like three days, we'll just because my parents live pretty close, like we've dragged nice. past their house to get there. So we'll just pick up the solar trailer. <laughs> we'll I love up it. Solar trailer, haul the solar trailer out, just hook it up to the inverter and then we're set up. And if we decide we're only out there for one night, we will um, have a generator and we'll just yeah. like that. Ba- we'll charge like, it'll all be, it can be ran via batteries, which we'll charge with um, here. Like we'll charge here at the house and then take the batteries out. And then the other thing too is, for heat purposes, we found a stove. It was It's from uh, Europe, but we found it here at a place in Red Deer. And it's, it's a propane stove that will be able to heat the unit. It's super cute. Uh-huh. Um, but it also, it, it needs electricity to run, but it can also be run on batteries. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So for, and again, like, I guess I'm not, when I say off-grid, like, I'm not living there. This is like weekends so for me, it's not going to be that big of a deal because it's just like one or two nights that we're out there. Um, right. I don't know if I'd want to live this that way. And try I, it. I guess, yeah. <laughs> Why I mean, not? Right. I mean. Oh, believe me, my husband is like, let's just sell everything and move into this little oh, unit. And I, ma- would I mean, imagine. You I know, I, w- I. I wouldn't give up this house. I wouldn't give up this house. But that's the thing is that like it is going to be a fun you know, a fun place to go and, and yeah. just spend time with our family. And I actually ended up getting a vintage hand pump, like one that, the, that they oh, had in, yes. the, in the kitchens, yes. um, like a house one, not one for outside, like one for in mm-hmm. the house. So under the sink, which the sink is this big enamel basin and I won't have like a faucet, but I'll have this hand pump. And I'll be oh, able to, cool. yeah, it'll be cool. I'm pretty excited about that. So, it'll be because you abandoned. want a
0: vacation home
1: to be a vacation home, yeah. right?
0: I mean, yeah, you that's what you want. You don't have to go there and do a ton of work and no, because that's not fun.
1: No, <laughs> it's and I guess more that's work. the thing, like, I guess we're the way I look at it is everything on the exterior we did and this was important for my husband because if it were up to me i probably would have built like a mini version of this house with wood siding and i just Mm -hmm. like the vintage look right Mm -hmm. but my husband sort of put his foot down and was like if we're gonna do this we need to do it where there's like Hardly any maintenance on the outside because he doesn't want to, like, we have to paint windowsills here every year and like repaint the house. And, right. you know, there's just nothing but work here. So he was like, let's make it super low maintenance, tin, tin roof, hardy board siding. But I guess for me, like, even when I'm out there right now, I don't do my dishes in the trailer. I literally have my grandma's like vintage bread bowl that I fill with water. And when it's done, I like toss it, like toss the rain. Oh, wow. Right. Like it's already how we're sort of living out there is like very like scaled back, simple living. And I love it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, and even like we, I don't know if you followed me this summer when we were out there, but we have, we call it the cat's ass. It's like a, it's a. (laughs) It's like a thing that goes over top of the fire and then it's got yeah. a screen. Have you ever seen one of those? It, it's like a teepee kind, no. and it goes to, like metal rods and then there's a screen and you can cook on it. So we cook oh. a large percentage of our food just on the fire like that. That so, is so
0: cool. We were just watching a show on Netflix, my husband and I, and it was someone like, or whatever it was, I don't even know, but it was a man in Australia cooking everything on a fire. Yeah. And he has this like, Beautiful restaurant, but he does everything on a fire. I'm like, this is really oh, cool. Like it's really organic. Going back and yeah, the food just tastes so much better. I'm sure so
1: good. And my mom, and maybe that's why I'm a little bit the way I am. But my mom is like so into that, and so she, um, she like I love having her up there because she'll cook everything from like Yorkshire pudding to steaks to oh my gosh, like potato, like everything on the fire in cast iron. Wow. Like so good, like the the quality of the food is phenomenal. So yeah, it's kind like we did Cherry's Jubilee this summer on there, like so fun. Yeah, so fun. So I don't know. I mean, I guess, I guess when we get up there, it. I guess you could look at it like it is a little bit of work living like that, but it's also enjoyable, right? Right. Like it's it's enjoy, right? Hi guys, (laughs) my kids just got up. Just wait, just wait. We'll be done here right away, (laughs) Kay. Yeah, um, so yeah, so I don't know, it's it's sort of just a fun place to go, and they get to go spend lots of time out on the lake, and do a lot of that course, is awesome. fought a lot, and yeah, it's cool, and this cabin, like I said, we've sort of got it set up, um, my brother was a big sort of lead in this, because he's sort of already done it all, um, which we were like, you know what, his cabin functions well, why can't we do that, so right. yeah. And so now you have this whole journey on your
0: Instagram so everyone can go and watch it. Yeah. And now they, now I, I urge all the listeners to go and follow you and seriously just watch this whole process because your flower arrangements alone are to die for. I'm just uh, like, thank oh you. my God.
1: I'm uh, just like, what thank did you. you do? I uh,
0: love them because I love fresh cut flowers. So yeah. you do an
1: amazing job. And I think that's the thing too, with this property, um, I envision a garden out there at some point with just like cutting flowers and some pumpkins, like nothing major, but even this summer, I, we took the cast tub from the old farmhouse and put it down there and I filled it with soil and we had a little garden, like with veggies, like lettuce and carrots all in there that every, every weekend we went out, we already had that to eat, which was kind of cool. Oh my gosh. I think I saw that. I think you posted that. I think you might that, have. Yeah, maybe I, I did.
0: I, so, it was awesome. It'll be yeah. fun.
1: Even, yeah, it'll be fun to kind of see as we develop that as more of like a, a getaway, but yet like, yeah, I don't know, just somewhere, somewhere to enjoy. So it's going yeah. to be
0: awesome. Well, thank you so much for explaining this journey and this idea. And you just yeah. put so many tips in there for
1: uh, just simple
0: homesteading. And I, I yeah. have a shed on my property. Now I want to go and turn it into a house. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely well, I'll do yeah. it.
1: I don't know. I'm pretty excited. I can't wait to finish up. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so oh.
0: much.